Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello out there. The Saturday, well, you got to get your Christmas shopping done if you do Christmas or whatever holiday. If you if you observe holidays, this is it. This Saturday, the Saturday before, because because Thursday is December twenty fifth. Um, Christmas today, we celebrate Christ's birth. For those of you who. Uh, observe the holiday and some people just do it to get together with their family and friends and spend time with people that they care care about and care for so this is the I hope you guys are done i'm getting mine done actually today i usually wait till the day before the holiday to do my christmas shopping but i want to welcome all of you to blog talk radios off the shelf for this saturday december the 20th we are coming to the home stretch for 2014 and i hope you guys are wrapping up with an awesome awesome year i mean we still have 11 more days to go so you still have time to do things that you wanted to do in 2014 before we head into a brand new year. And I want to thank you all for joining us here this morning. We always kick off on Saturdays, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, or I say New York City Time for those uh, connecting either through the chat room, through an email link, or by calling in. And the dial-in number is 347-994-994. 3490. Again, you can dial in to your friends, your colleagues, your family. They can dial in as well. 347-994-3490. You can connect from anywhere in the world. As I always tell you, you're like a gift to me. It's just a joy to have you here with us on this Saturday. And for those, our loyal listeners, we're in 11 years on the air now. Started out over at Blake Radio, and we've been at Blog Talk Radio, I think, a little over four years. So the majority of our time, we were at Blake Radio, and they're they're actually here as well. We were on the Rainbow Soul Channel. So I want to thank those who've come over with us and those who tune in through iTunes and the different places that you can access off the shelf. So welcome, welcome, welcome for those who have you're tuning in for the first time because you're just maybe looking for something to do. You got the internet up while you're doing your housework or something else. I want to introduce myself to you. I'm your host, Denise Turney, and as I always say, I'm coming to you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love. And I have to thank you again for your support. Eleven years that's 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 a long time and it's just a blessing. I love being here with you. So I said you are such a gift to me. And I encourage, encourage you, don't let another day go by before you pick up a copy of my new book, Love Pour Over Me. And I like to let people know what's in a story, what's in uh something that that I'm offering them so maybe they say, you know what, I don't like that. That's not for me or they might say, Wow, that's really what I like. When you in love pour over me, you're going to get a, a lot of mystery. So if you like mysteries, you would you would probably love the book. You're also going to get romance, although it's not a romance novel. If you value relationships, particularly complicated relationships, and you see how people help each other to evolve, you're really going to enjoy love pour over me because you're going to see these characters really involved. There are also high chase scenes in the book. If you like excitement and entertainment and being on the edge of your seat, wondering what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next, and who did this, and how did that happen, then you will enjoy Love Pull Over Me, and all this goes on, even as you see these characters evolve and develop, because there is not one character in this book who remains unchanged 
from the beginning. Even the ones that you love and they're like the heroes and the champions, you'll see how they change. It's a, it's a thought-provoking and deeply emotional book. It's very, very moving. So I encourage you to add it to your book collection. And you can you can read free excerpts from Love Pull Over Me at my website, which is chistel.com, and I'll spell that for you, C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com. Again, that's C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com. You can also pick up Love Pour Over Me right, right now. You can even go as you're listening to today's show. You can get it. Online or offline, it's in print, it's in ebook. You can get it Amazon.com, all different types of ebook formats or in print. Barnes and Noble, Google Books, ebookit.com, Walmart. It's in libraries. If you don't see it, just ask the clerk or the librarian to get you to want to order a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney, and they can order it for you, and then they'll call you and let you know when it's in. And some bookstores, I don't know if they ship it to you if you pay in advance. I'm not sure how those stores, each store works. But they can order it for you because Love Pour Over Me is carried by the largest book distributors in the world. So please go out and, and, and get a copy so you can enjoy Love Pour Over Me. And now I'm going to go connect with our very special guest. But before I do, I want to introduce our guest uh, to you. Our special guest today is Roxy Bahar Hewitson. And Roxy is the Chief Executive Officer of Highland Consulting Group. And this is what I love about internet radio you can go over like i said you can order a copy of love pour over me even now and you can also go to her website and learn more about roxy while you listen to today's show i if you if you are an author if you're somebody in business you want to know to gain more leadership skills you work with employees you want to know how you know that that talent gap that everybody keeps talking about and i just read an article yesterday by a consulting firm that that gap is supposed to even expand. We have people who are looking for jobs, but they don't have the skills that the employers are looking for to fulfill fill their roles. So if you, these types of things interest you, and this woman has also written a novel to boot. Um, I encourage you to even take notes while you listen to today's show because she has a lot of experience. So Roxy Bahar Hewitson, in addition to being the CEO of Highland Consulting Group, she is a former Cornell University adjunct faculty member. She taught in Cornell University's School of Industrial and Labor Relations. Her leadership experience spans across more than 35 years, and her works have been mentioned in uh, publications like Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, The Business Journal, Fresh Business Thinking, Investors Business Daily, and Career Bright, just to name a few. And in addition to being a leader, consultant, and entrepreneur, Roxy is also a public speaker, and she has authored the novel Cross of Ivy, and you can check her out online at askroxy.com, and that's A-S-K-R-O-X-I.com. Again, that's A-S-K-R-O-X-I.com. She kept it really simple, askroxy.com, and you can go through there and and click into even more to learn more about her. But I want to go and connect with Roxy now. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Roxy. Hi, Denise. Thank you for having me. So it's a pleasure to have you here uh, with us. I would just introduce you to our listeners. I know you have a very extensive business background. When we when I when I interview guests on Off the Shelf, I always like to give our listeners some background 
on our guests so they're not wondering who who, who am I talking to and they want to know a little bit more about their guests. So to begin, I know your your background is very, very deep into business, teaching at Cornell University School of Industrial and Labor Relations. That is that is impressive and and I wanted to ask you to begin, where did you grow up, Roxy, and what was life like for you coming up? <laughs> wow, that's a great question, Denise, because hardly anybody ever asked me that. Um, I grew up all over the country. I went to 17 schools in 17 years by the time I finished my bachelor's degree. Wow. And, uh, and, and then I got my master's degree at Cornell. And I, I was born in uh, Missoula, Montana, uh, you know, there are about maybe ten other people who were born there. <laughs> it's a big state with not very many people in it. And uh, I lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I lived in uh, the middle of Florida, and I lived in New Jersey, and I lived in New York for most of my life uh, in different parts of New York State. I, I now live in North Carolina. Wow. So you really so your would you, how would you say how would you describe your childhood and was was were one of your parents in the military is that why you traveled so much when you were growing up? It, you you would think that no um, my dad was born in Iran actually uh, and and came to go to college in uh, at the University of Montana in Missoula and he was a sociologist and then he um, went to Ann Arbor to be to get his master's degree, and uh, that was in the 50s, I think, yes, in the late 50s. Uh, And then he was really, in his heart of hearts, he was an educator. So Mm. we kind of went where his jobs took him, and and that was all over the country. So uh, we also lived in California for a while. Um, During the Korean War, he taught... uh, Persian at the Army Navy School, so, so that uh, uh, people who were going over to that part of the world um, would have some uh, knowledge of the language. Wow! So it was an interesting bringing, believe me, very interesting. Yes, and I, I we I interviewed somebody else here on Off the Shelf who traveled a lot, and he he became a travel writer. He just said traveling and meeting different people it just is so enriching. But when you're a child, people say that it can add some struggles. When you're an adult, it's easier, and I think you understand more of why you're traveling, and uh, you can appreciate it more. But maybe even as a child, you have a strong appreciation for living in different places and growing up around people from different backgrounds. I wanted to ask you next, Roxy, have you always wanted to work as a business consultant? And if not, what did you dream of becoming when you were a kid? The the combination of things that really matter to me uh, and have always mattered to me are writing, uh, working and helping people, and teaching. And so the... Uh, the the sort of counseling and also teaching and writing combination is is how my career has evolved because even when I was at Cornell for 27 years as an administrator <clears throat> in various different roles and I always wore the human resources at, and the uh, uh, finance hats at the same time which is an unusual combination and um and i i got i just feel very fortunate that i landed in jobs that would allow me to do that so um 
I, I was able to really under, begin to understand uh, how leadership was getting, either helping or getting in the way of getting work, good work done. And my, I, I guess, Denise, if I were to say one thing, that from as long as I can remember, at least in my early career when I was in my 20s, I've been a leader since I was 23 years old, uh, supervising other people. I don't know how that happened, you know, <laughs> but it, it did. I've always wanted to create workplaces where people got up in the morning and said, I, I really can't wait to go to work. Wow. And, and that's something I want to touch on one of the questions in today's show. I want to ask, is Highland Consulting Group, is this the first company that you've owned? You said you've been a leader since you were 23. And if Highland Consulting Group isn't the first company you've owned, what did you do at your, your first business? Well, I've I've usually had at least two jobs at the same time, um, whether it was my own business or working for someone else at the same time. <clears throat> and um, I've owned retail businesses. Uh, let's see, one, two, three. And um, uh, what else? What else did I do? <laughs> I've been a consultant. Um, I've owned uh, two consulting companies. We just well, it's not. It's really been one. We just we renamed it. We also have owned a, uh, my husband and I are a, a retreat center in upstate New York. And we still do. Um, wow. So I don't know. I've just been doing all kinds of things for a long time. I I grew up in retail. Uh, early on in my career, I was I worked with Columbia Records and. Uh, retail record reselling and so forth, and that was early on in my career, and I, I traveled all over the East Coast for them, and then um, I owned my own uh, businesses. So I've been an entrepreneur, and all of them have been successful. Uh, you know, not wildly. No, none of them made me a million bucks, but uh, uh, or more. But but I've 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 done some interesting things, and I've been successful at them. And leadership mm-hmm. is always at the core. It's always at the core how you treat people and how you get the best out of them is always uh, a pivot point for success or failure. Now, you've owned several businesses. For our listeners who might be thinking about owning a business, we always hear that most businesses fail within the first five years, and you would think with the Internet that that stat would have would have moved, and perhaps it has, and they just haven't updated. I don't know, maybe they haven't gone back out into surveyed or or looked at it to really see as it as it changed as more people go onto the internet and their overhead drops when they start a business but are there any tips um Roxy that you could give our off the shelf listeners if they're they can tell if they have the right personality mindset leadership skills etc to be successful as a business owner because it's really not cut out for everybody you're right, it's not. Uh, I, I think people who want to own their own business really, really need to be uh, ready to be the last person paid. Um, they need to be taking reasonable risk, not outrageous risk, but they have to be willing to take risk. Um, they need to be able and willing and have a good network of people to draw from in terms of ideas, in terms of staff, et cetera. I mean, there's a really long list, Denise, of things that people ought to consider. The, the My Lead Like It Matters book would actually 
uh, I think, be helpful because <clears throat> the first part of the book is around who are you as a leader. And if you're owning your own business, you're automatically a leader, uh, whether whether you're a one-woman uh, or one-man show or not. You, you, it's all about relationships um, with either your staff or your bank, your vendors, uh, other ven- uh, other uh, entrepreneurs. You, you have to be working with somebody uh, to business to business or business to customer, but something. There's there's there are relationships. So until you really know what your own values and vision and mission are, um, you shouldn't you, you shouldn't take off and and do something just because it's a good idea. It's it, it may be a good idea, but is it the good idea for you? And mm-hmm. um, learning about yourself, learning how uh, how you tick and how you impact other people is pretty important for the start. And then of course not undercapitalizing and and then um, if you're going to hire people, how you, how you hire them and how you treat them. Can you tell us about some of the services that Highland Consulting Group uh, offers its clients? Well, we've we've been evolving over time, Denise. Uh, used to do a lot of consulting work with organizations um, to help them build their teams and to. Um, I mean, we're a small group. So uh, we, you know, we're not we're not uh, Accenture or <laughs> you know one of those huge mm-hmm. companies. We're we're a little we're a little company, uh, and so we pick very carefully who we're going to work with. We've uh, again, my focus is on helping create really healthy workplaces, so people want get up in the morning and want to come to work. I mean, if we just keep going back to that, that's the kind of work we do to help uh, organizations and their leaders and their teams. Uh, create cultures that are healthy, that are productive, that get good business results without um, uh, w- by using uh, the uh, tremendous well of talent that that they have, and by not abusing it. So mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time with organizations, uh, teaching them different skill sets and helping them work together. Now we've evolved over time, where I, I do a little bit uh, more uh, executive coaching with. A, a person at a time, and okay. those are the people in charge of the organizations that that want to get better and be better leaders. Why did you decide, when I was researching for your, your interview, I, this just came out to me and it was interesting, why did you decide to focus on helping mid-size and nonprofit organizations? I always would think, well, if you go after a major corporation, that's where you're probably going to get a, a big chunk of your revenues. Why would you decide to focus on mid-size and nonprofit organizations as a leadership consultant? That, uh, that is very purposeful, Denise, and the reason is is that that's where most of the work is, um, and that's where most of the need is. The mm. uh, the big the big boys and girls uh, hire massive companies or have all their own internal stuff. And um, they might or might not be interested in me. I I don't know. I'm I'm not going to say I wouldn't work for GE, but I I don't think that's my style. My style is much more intimate, and I like working with the CEOs, and I like working with the executive team because that's where you can make the most difference in terms mm-hmm. of the the ripple effect in the organization. So I like to make a difference, and I like to see the difference that I'm making, and. Um, 
so I, I think I don't want to be lost in the crowd, and I don't want the the crowd to be too big. Now, I recently read a Harvard Business Review article, and it it, it goes back a, a couple of years about the important importance of clearly defining who the decision makers and at which levels in an organization, the people who make the decisions, whether they're helping with the strategy, what ideals are they going to push forward, uh, and that management is going to support, uh, that if you, that it is very important to clearly define who these key decision makers are to keep an organization moving forward in healthy ways. I think the article was titled, Who Has the D? Now, in addition to defining who the decision makers are, because, you know, they say too many many cooks in the kitchen, in addition to defining who the decision makers are, what other two to three, I would say, key or dominant action steps from your experience are necessary to develop a successful business? Uh, I'd like to I'd like to speak to the decision piece just a little bit more. Um, I read that article too, and the uh, the thing that I have observed, and, and I'll, I will answer your question. The the thing that I have observed is that uh, a lot of organizations don't have good decision making protocols. Uh, they don't even know who's making the decision, um, and and they and they don't a- answer the the five key questions that I talk about. In my book, and and one one is uh, what is the decision and defining it clearly. The second is whose decision is it, which is what that article is about. The third is uh, how is that decision being made. The fourth is when is it going to be made. And the fifth question is um, how is it going to be and by whom is it going to be communicated. Those five questions aren't answered on a regular basis um, by a lot of organizations and a lot of teams, and it gets people into all kinds of trouble. So. and and back to the point about uh, people being aware of who's making what decisions, first of all, those protocols should be in place so that that people aren't running around wasting time trying to figure that out. And the second second thing about that is that's a real emotional intelligence um, uh, uh, competency, which is organizational awareness. And if people don't understand how their organization works, including how decisions are made, they're they're not going to succeed very well, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it is pretty important to understand that. Um, do you want me to stop there, or do you want me to continue with a couple other things? Yeah, if you could offer a couple of others, and then I want to get into lead like it matters because it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I'll give you a couple other common common things that uh, I, it's really quite shocking actually that people don't know how to do. But at least fifty percent of the meetings in our country are. Um, uh, a waste of time. Yeah. Everybody knows. <laughs> Everybody knows it's a tremendous waste of time. Well, that's billions and billions and billions of dollars of human uh, resources wasted. You might as well just put $100 bills in the middle of the floor and set them on fire. So the, the um, or $1,000 bills, <laughs> there are. Um, so, so one of the things that I talk about, and it's really, uh, it's critical, is, uh, to again protocols. What are the meeting protocols? Do we have agendas? How much time is spent on information? How do we engage people? How do, uh, you know, is it are the right people there for the right reasons for the right amount of time? Uh, and so on and so on. I mean, there's there. I, I don't mean to um, trivialize uh, the the 
word meetings because people talk about meetings all the time. It's such a huge amount of the time that we spend in our work lives that if we don't get that right, uh, we won't get a lot of other things right. Mm. So that's the thing. And the third thing um, I, I would say is around how we how we go about change. Um, we're changing all the time. Our you know everything changes all the time. Our bodies are changing all the time. I mean, yes. we shift yeah. out our our entire cell structure and you know mm-hmm. in, in yeah. a pretty short time. So so everything's always changing, and yet people really resist change. Yeah, so, and they the main reason people resist change is because they feel they have no voice, and that's mm. voice with a capital V. Uh, when mm. when people feel they have no voice, they will resist change a, a lot, and uh, it's one thing to um, create a change yourself, and like I just moved. Okay, that was a choice. Um, that was a choice. I moved from New York to to North Carolina. And that was a choice. It still was difficult. There were still lots of challenges, but at least it was my choice. If -hmm. somebody had made me move, I would have felt very differently about it. You know, I don't like anybody making me do anything, and neither does anybody else. So the way we go about change in this country is uh, really incredibly stupid. Uh, And we don't ever learn from our lessons and... um, we continue to have failed change initiatives, failed um, mergers and acquisitions, failed, uh, uh, you know, even technical changes where everything is, it should be changed. They have everything in a row and they didn't engage the right people who are going to be impacted. Mm. And, and that yeah. is huge. It's just huge. So if you take decisions, meetings, and the way changes happen, just do those three things right, just do those three things right. You'll be way ahead of the game. Okay. Can you describe the four tenets that you cover in Lead Like It Matters because it does? Sure. Um, I, we talked about this a little bit a couple minutes ago is the, the first part of what a person who wanted to be an entrepreneur needs to understand, and that's mm-hmm. themselves. The first tenet is personal mastery. This is a core understanding. To, to discover who you are as a leader and draw on your strengths to influence others. It's also important to know where your shortcomings are so that you can fill in those blanks, uh, that talent gap you were talking about earlier, uh, with others who have those skill sets. I always say hire people who are smarter than you, always. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and you know, hire the best people and then let them do, let, you know, get out of their way. Uh, it gives them the support and the uh, appreciation for, for who they are. Uh, and a, a good example of that is that I knew that um, I was not a, a great detail person in terms of numbers, but I was running a $250 million budget. So mm-hmm. I, I had to do something, right? It wouldn't. I would have driven myself crazy, and I probably right. would have made a lot of mistakes. So I hired the very best people who are good with numbers, and I really loved them. <laughs> and I <Yeah. laughs> cared, and I and I treated them very well because they saved me all the time. It was great. Mm. Uh, knowing what you're good at and what you're not good at is really important. Uh, and getting feedback, uh, we didn't, we're not very good about asking for feedback. Tell me what I can do better. Tell me how I'm doing. Give me good specific examples. We tend to just assume we're doing fine unless somebody tells us otherwise, and that's not a good idea. Mm. 
The second one, um, do you want me to stop or do you want me no, to No, no, tell me, I want all your tenants, I want our listeners to, the four tenants and the information that you share in case they want to engage you as a consultant or go out and get lead like it matters because it does, leadership is is crucial. And I don't care if it's just a community, you're leading in a community or you're leading your own family, it is critical. So I, I do want you to share all four tenants. Okay. Um so the second one is interpersonal mastery, which is all about uh, the relationships. You can't, you can't um, get the job done by yourself. Most people uh, don't live in the middle of nowhere as a hermit. They, we, we are uh, working with other people, and we need to have communication skills that allow those relationships to develop in healthy ways. So a, a really powerful leader has excellent communication people management skills, um, that are going to engage people. Remember I talk about that, that want to come to workplace, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. that, motiv- that that plug into what, uh, what motivates people and inspires them. And uh, those leaders are people who really know how to listen deeply, know how to provide constructive feedback, including uh, managing up and, uh, and to, to your boss and how to manage conflict, manage and transform conflict successfully, because we're always going to have conflicts. In fact, there's no healthy team without conflict, whether it's, you know, your significant other or whether it's at work. There's, there's got to be conflict because there will always be places where we disagree. The question is not, will, will we have it? The question is, how will we deal with it? Okay. And, uh, and my advice is to listen as if your life depends on it. You know, uh. really pay attention. Uh, be mindful, and mm-hmm. in every conversation, ask the person talking to you if they felt fully heard and understood by you. Mm. Because really, communication is not about what you say or think you say or want to say. It's really about what they hear. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Right. They say so perception is. <laughs> yes. 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 Exactly. Uh, if people don't hear you and understand you the way you mean to communicate, then you have not communicated. I mean, you've, mm. you've made noise, haven't right. actually that dialogue. Um, team mastery, the, uh, the most successful leaders I've ever seen are the ones who harness the power of group dynamics. Um, getting uh, all kinds of different people to work together to br- build their, their organization, to put their ideas to work, and to have productive teams. Um, There are just classic to-dos. I mean, there's tons of information out there in team building. You know, I'm not trying to write a team building book. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to help people understand what are the basics that they need to make sure they learn and, uh, and to appreciate the fact that people are messy and groups are messy, and that's always going to be the case. There's no getting around it. Uh, you know, people are individuals. They come with 24-hour uh, emotions and histories and their their culture, their ethnicity, their age, their uh, religion, their birth order, <laughs> their gender. <laughs> you know, it, it, they come as a full, unique package, and the the really good leader knows how to get the best out of each one of those people mm. and, and the whole package. Yes, right. and that takes awareness, attention, time, and skill, and mm-hmm. uh, it's worth it because 
the uh, the the group, the wisdom is in the group, and if it's the right group, and the, getting dynamics uh, well uh, established and and doing the right things with your teams, including establishing ground rules. I mean, it's amazing to me how many how many people have teams that they've never even talked about ground rules or rules of engagement. Never. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how yeah. how do we want to operate? Oh. I guess we ought to be explicit about that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So then the fourth one is culture and systems mastery. And that's getting back to that uh, know-how decisions are made in your organization, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's just a part of it. You also need to understand what your culture is all about uh, and and what what are the espoused and actual values in that culture, because culture is like the air we breathe. It's all around us. It's not, you can't ignore it. It's there, but you might not be able to see it. When the wind blows and blows the trees, you can see the air movement, right? Mm-hmm. Inside a business, you can see the culture at work. It's, it's very similar uh, in terms of it's not visible until something happens, but it's there okay. the whole time. Mm-hmm. So you need to know and not guess what the culture really is in your organization if you want to be a successful leader, and you need to be purposeful. I always tell leaders when I'm teaching, and I teach, you know, when I'm teaching leadership courses, um, that their number one job, their number one job is to create and nurture the culture that uh, that they want, that is the desired culture. Not to assume it's going to happen by accident or mm-hmm. by luck, uh, rather than by design. It'll you'll have a culture. The question is, is it on purpose or not? Okay. Um, yeah. Right. So I recommend people walk around and um, and really you know sniff out their culture, and they need to do that in a non-threatening way. You certainly don't walk around and find people doing something wrong. That that's not a good idea. Uh, if, if you're aware and you're paying attention, it'll make a, a big difference. Okay. So now you, those are the four. Ahead. And those are those are tenants, like you say, just to get those four down could really help somebody, whether you're uh, one of our off-the-shelf listeners, whether you're starting a, a business or you're trying to grow a business or you're trying to correct something that has been done wrong. And it, you can you can see the evidence of it. Uh, those tenants covered in Lead Like It Matters because it does. By Roxy Bahar Hewitson, our special guest here on Off the Shelf today, can be proved to be very beneficial. Now I know Roxy, you're quoted in Forbes, uh, November 27th of this year, 2014. Lead Like It Matters enrich your job, boost your career. Article is saying. We are rewarded all of our lives for what we do individually, from learning to walk and talk to our first big job assignment. The focus and light are shining on me, and the focus is on what I do. When we become leaders, it's not about me any longer. It's now about the success of other people, which you have touched on already during today's show. Now, it's changed from me to we and this is an opposite mindset, not just a different one. Do, that said, Roxy, do you think most leaders understand this shift when they first step into leadership roles, and why or why not? Do you think most no. of them already understand that shift and make it when they step into a leadership role? Very few, if any, do. They don't understand it. Uh, they don't understand it unless they have uh, consciously 
made an effort to learn about uh, what it means to be a successful leader. And that doesn't mean having authority. It means that people want to follow you because if nobody's following you, you you're probably not leading, right? Um, yes. Mm-hmm. So no, and it's and I feel like our our educational system and our our culture at work has it continues. This is why I'm calling for a revolution, not an evolution. It continues to promote, assign, tap on the shoulder, uh, whatever people who are really good at what they do and assume that just because they're good at what they do yes, yes. that they can be good at leadership. Leadership is a completely different discipline. It's like taking a brain surgeon and expecting them to be a rocket scientist. That, mm-hmm. that they are different skill sets. And and I am I'm shocked. I mean really shocked by how long it's taken for anybody to even pay attention to this. And uh, and and when I talk about it, it's like light bulbs going off. I can see I you know when I when I talk to a group and I and I'm sharing some of these insights that I've gained over the years. This one you can see light bulbs going off everywhere. It's like oh yeah, that's why it's a problem. Yes, when I read that quote, I I thought oh man, I I think when many people get promoted, there was a book that came out years ago for people who want to launch their own business. And it sort of touched on a, a similar, and I can't remember the title of the book. And in it, the, the guy says, you might be a great uh, cook, but that doesn't mean you're going to be good at owning your own bakery or your own restaurant. And you, you people tell you, oh, you just make the best pies. and you, But it doesn't mean you're going to be good at owning a business and you need to get certain skills that you don't have or haven't used yet before you right. launch out there and start. And what you're saying is, yeah, you're really good. I've worked with people who I'm like, this person is a very awesome individual contributor, but not such a great leader. And, yeah. man, you see the results <laughs> over the place. Yeah, individual contributors, it's a seismic shift. It really is. It's, it, it's so huge in terms of your mindset um, and your skill set. So, so. What happens is is we take these really good people and we set them up to fail. Mm-hmm. And they they don't know how to delegate. They don't know how to inspire. And um, they micromanage. Those are three typical things that happen. Yes. Uh, yep. and, then, and then they end up having to learn the hard way. And sometimes they get lucky and learn early, and sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, we have I, leaders... I, we have we have good leaders by luck, not by design, most of the time, which is really a scary place to be. And when you're trying to run a business or a country, right? And I I I, I completely agree. Now I've worked for some top top Fortune 100 companies, and they they get a lot of things right, or they wouldn't be that successful. But right. I have never worked for a large firm, and even it happens at mid-sized firms. There's this siloed thinking, and I don't know where it's almost the people forget it's one organization, and it's now my yep. department against your department, my division against your division. And you're not really a part of us, and it's that that is phenomenal to me. Is there a way to stop an organization from developing silos? It's the culture, Denise. 
So if it's the reward system, what you reward is what you're going to get. The reason you have silos is because they're rewarded for their individual silo performance. Mm. They're not rewarded for cross-cultural performance. That's not true in some of the Fortune 100 companies where uh, where the culture might be that uh, everything you know you have to share. GE was like that. I know that for sure that, in fact, if you withheld information from your colleagues, you were punished. So so ah. people didn't withhold because it didn't pay, right? Um, it, it paid to share. It did not pay to withhold. So it's all about the reward system. So if you don't want a me, me, me reward system, my silo, my silo, you want a one company uh, a system, then you have to change the culture. And that re- that requires changing what's rewarded and what's not. Ah. Because what, you're, what you reward is what you're going to get. It's as simple as that. Right. And that's just basic psychology, really. But yep. that makes that makes sense. Because so, I always wondered, you see these companies, they're doing, they bring in these consultants and executive coaching, and they've got huge HR staff and... And you wonder yep. why this, this firm is so siloed. You would think there were That's five a lot different of wasted, companies. And yeah. a lot of waste capital, capital. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's just common sense. It's simple stuff. Uh, and people make it much more complicated. It, it, just look at what the reward system is. It's just that. Look at that. Mm. That has a huge the, – the reward system in any culture – and any organization will tell you a lot about the culture. The other thing that will tell you a lot about the culture is how decisions are made. Mm. Very interesting. So you just you answered a question that's been in my head for years. That does make, you know, yeah, if you're rewarding people for withholding information, you're, you, 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 it's almost like you're making them compete against each other. Then that does right. make sense. And you would have that silo. And that, oh, I'm telling you, that does not pay off in the long run. Now, before no, we talk about your... Or is it competition? Because, you know, we can work across the company in a cooperation way. You know, that's a word that's been coined where, we, yes, we're maybe different businesses in the company, but we need to cooperate uh, yes. to get the best for all of our businesses. That could be, that's possible. That's one kind of culture. Another kind of culture is a one-company culture. And another comp- uh, culture is that we're separate companies and we're not going to cooperate at all. Well, Okay. Mm. You're gonna get what you. <laughs> what you yeah, in the long run, that might not work out so well. Now, oh. before we talk about your novel and and this, I'm not even going to get to all the questions because we've we've got, I mean, a little 15 minutes left. Now, lead like it matters because it does was published by McGraw Hill. Now, for our yes. off the shelf listeners who are listening to you and you shared a wealth of business information, I thank you for that. And they're, they they may be just like, wow, I wish I was her. Lead like it matters because it does. I mean, you've owned your own businesses, and I can just hear some listeners wishing they were in your shoes. You've got a major publisher, McGraw-Hill. For our off-the-shelf listeners who want, they want to find a publisher for their nonfiction or fiction book, can you f- share a few tips that you use to land the publisher for Lead Like It Matters because it does? Well, the truth is is that the publishing business is in major uh, upheaval. And uh, I wouldn't begin to, to 
to try to say that I'm an expert at that at all. I um, I have an agent, and she knows how it works. And nope. um, and and I I thank her in my book. Her name is Letitia Gomez, and she does um, uh, books, uh, nonfiction business books in, in particular. And so she's well known in that arena. And I feel incredibly fortunate to have connected with her, and th- that's what happened. I mean, seriously, it's a, it, I just feel very fortunate um, that, it, that it worked out like that, uh, as opposed to my novel that's coming out in June, which is with Kohler Publish, uh, Publishing. Uh, that's taken 25 years to find a publisher. So, you know, what wow. can I tell you? <laughs> you sort of locked into my next question. Can you give our listeners uh, an overview of Cross of Ivy? <laughs> an overview of Cross of Ivy. Uh, I sure can. Let, let me. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hang on a second. Mm-hmm. What uh, I, I think I'm just gonna I'm gonna read what what we put here because it's better than if I just said it. Okay. Uh, it's, okay, so um, it's a story that explodes with the pristine image of the academic ivory tower and invites us to be a fly on the wall as we discover bit by bit that all is not quite what it seems at this fictional Ivy League university. Cross of Ivy tells the story of two intertwining family sagas, the Irish working class O'Malley's of Boston and the gentrified, oil-rich Trudeau's of Louisiana plantation fame, with all Mm. the color, traditions, prejudices, and conflicts most families prefer to keep behind closed doors. Those Mm. secrets often end at home or stay at home. The unraveling of these two family secrets comes full circle in the rarefied atmosphere of Cross University. Where is... Okay, so what what is the time period when the book is set uh, across of Ivy? Uh, two time periods. One is fairly current in the like nineteen nineties, and um, and then the 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 end of World War Two is the other time period. So it it kind of flows back and forth um, between those two time periods. So is is the the 1940s the World War II period is that yeah. where you're giving the reader the backstory on a character yeah. and then you bring them okay and you bring them up to current day? Can you tell us or describe uh, at least two of the main characters in Cross of Ivy so our listeners can get a glimpse of their personality and some of their habits? <laughs> sure, um, Abigail. Uh, she's Abigail O'Malley to start with. And then she's Abigail Trudeau when she marries Zach Trudeau of Louisiana Plantation fame, um, and uh, she's she's the protagonist in the in the story. And you watch her evolve from um, a frightened child for lots of reasons uh, to um, a, a strong woman who uh, who makes choices that. Uh, are important choices for her life and, and her happiness. And then um, you meet the Trudeau family. Uh, Zach Trudeau is the uh, is the the favored son, um, and um, he's uh, a football player, and he becomes a football coach. 
and he marries Abby. There's Will, um, and he's a, he's a Louisiana guy who's in love with Abby, and it, that's a oh. <laughs> quite his love for some period of time. I don't want to spoil it for you. Ah. Um, there's Mary, who is uh, Abby's mother, who's a powerful person in her life, and um, had a powerful love and married uh, uh, a wartime marriage where um, uh, Mary and, and, and Frank were married and in, in, she was a nurse in the war and he was killed um, mm. after she um, had her child, their child, who's mm-hmm. Abby. So, uh, okay. That's what, where the World War II piece comes in, um, and then um, their story is a, a rough one for a while, and they end up, end up in Louisiana, and uh, and then their grandparents, who are really key, and a sister and a brother-in-law who are key, um, so that that they, it's a family, that family is a tight family, and then we have the Trudeau family, who's quite the opposite, they're not tight at oh. all, a lot, of, a lot of unhappiness, and a lot of wealth built on the backs of people um, that are not appreciated. Mm. So mm. I I deal with that. And then, of course, there's scandal. <laughs> and <laughs> that scandal follows follows these families all the way to... Um, wow. Do you plan to turn this into a series? Into a series? Yes. Um, I don't. I hadn't thought about a series. I've always seen it as a uh, visual. Uh, I've always seen it as a movie. I have. Oh, I've okay. Ever. I've okay. always. I. I've seen it. When I was writing it, I. I saw it, and um, yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was. There was a lot going on when I was writing it. So, so the. Uh, the visual, I'm a visual person anyway, and mm-hmm. the visual of it for me has always been there. I, I just see it on the screen, whether it's, you know, a TV movie series, okay. which it could be. Uh-huh. It actually could be. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting thought. I, hadn't, I had never considered that. It could be, it could be a, you know, a three- or four-part series, perhaps, mm-hmm. maybe more. Yeah, yeah, visually. Oh, so you, you don't see a sequel? Because when you describe the characters and the the families, it sounds like I don't know why Dallas just popped into my head, but like it's something that could even be a novel oh. that you could write a sequel a sequel to. That readers oh, get caught up in the characters and they want to know what happens to Abigail and her husband's kids if they have kids, and then what happens. Yeah, it's the kids' story that would would be the sequel. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. we know what happens to Abigail, so um, that that could evolve even further. The but the, she has um, a boy and girl twins and another okay. son. Abby and Zach have three children. Okay. Um, and uh, that's interesting too in terms of those relationships. Mm, and then and I'm in, this other the, guy you have, talked about is very interesting. I'm I'm sitting here wondering, and as many readers might be, did she pick the right guy? <laughs> did Abby pick the right guy? No, you said there's another guy who liked her. So I'm sitting here thinking, oh, as a yes. as a reader, oh, yes. you're thinking, did she pick the right guy? Uh-huh. And you won't yep. know unless you I read went. the book. You won't know unless I you went. read the book. Did she did she pick the right guy? Yeah, exactly. 
good question. Now, does does the book's title hold a special meaning? Cross yes. of Ivy. Yes, it has several meanings actually. Um, I have uh, if you on my website and on Amazon, you can see the cross on the cover. I actually mm-hmm. uh, had that cross made, and oh, that's okay. the real cross. Um, and it it has it has a lot that that particular cross has a lot of meaning between um, Abby's parents. Um, oh. Okay, so that's one, and then uh, there's a, a a lot of uh, betrayal in this book, and mm. so the play on that those words, and then um, uh, it's Cross University, uh, a, a ninth fictional um, Ivy League university, so. You see the university tower on the book as well. I, I'm very happy with the cover. Actually, they did a great job. Uh, yeah, it does look good. I wanted to ask you next: Did you take any real life experiences? I know you. A lot of times, authors, if they do, they sort of um, create the experiences in their novel so that the, no one knows exactly what it is. But did you take any real life experiences, whether in your teaching or? Your, your consulting work, working in the corporate world, et cetera, and integrate them into the cross of not Ivy? Um, when I wrote this book, um, I was working at Cornell and Cornell Athletics, and um, I could certainly say that um, there are uh, there's a compilation of all kinds of characters of people that I know and of um, uh, people that I worked with that uh, show up in bits and pieces in the book. Yeah, sure. It, I have to ask you because you have such a, a, I mean, a deep background in the business world. Was there a single event that inspired you to say, you know what, I'm going to sit down and write a novel? Yes, there was, but I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. The reason I'm not going to talk about it is because this is a, a work of fiction, and um, and even though I was in in the business side of higher education, I have a tremendous love for higher education, and most of my career was spent in higher ed, whether I was at the business end of higher ed or at the teaching end. So um, I have a great love for it, and I also know about the mystique, and so I like to, I, I wanted to kind of, um, you know, uh, um, the, the War Between the Tates uh, is a novel written by a Cornell professor, um, mm-hmm. and um, why her name is slipping my mind, I'm embarrassed to say, Uh but but she did the same thing. She worked at Cornell, and she observed people around her, and there were things that inspired her to sit down and write a novel that was um, about a fictional university, and yet it's inspired by uh, real people and real things. Okay. Can you tell so, Off the Shelf? Oh, go ahead. No, that's fine. Go ahead. Where can Off the Shelf listeners get copies of Lead Like It Matters, Because It Does, and Cross of Ivy. And can you also let us know when Cross of Ivy will be out on the market? Uh, I'll, I'll do the last question first. My publisher tells me it's coming out in June okay. uh, of 2015, and it is available for pre-order, uh, paperback pre-order on Amazon. 
Okay. Lead Like It Matters, because it does, is available on Barnes & Noble and Nook, and, uh, Amazon and Kindle, and iBooks. Um, so, you know, any way you want to get it, it's uh, electronic or, or otherwise. And the, I, I wanted to tell your listeners something that um, most people don't know, and that is that <clears throat> I have an online course uh, at uh, askroxy.com, and uh, it's finally being discovered, which is uh, I'm teaching my leadership course uh, in an interactive way with the, um, with the participants. So if somebody wants to take my leadership course online, uh, they can. And if you buy the book, uh, you actually get a code that will let you uh, get the course at a massive discount. Wow. Now, is this course, uh, I'm trying to think for our listeners, is this course for people who lead mid-size, I'm thinking 50 or more employees, or could a solopreneur take this course? Could Is this course, is it put together for somebody who's leading a, a, a you know a significant number of employees. Uh, the course is for anybody who okay. wants to lead, is leading, is an entrepreneur, is has is wanting to sit back and take a look at how they've been leading over the years. Um, it, uh, one of the things that people have been telling me about the book is that it's not just for leaders, and I didn't want to say it's for everybody because you know everybody says that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it's you are the CEO of your life, and I think the book really will make a difference in all your relationships, whether you're right now leading other people or and and it really helps to to find out whether or not, and so does the course, whether or not you want to lead other people. Mm. And how long is the interactive course? How long is it the interactive course? You can take, you know, once you buy it, you have it forever. I, I don't shut people off. So uh, there's about six hours of, um, of video that I, the way that the I, I pilot tested it and the way that most people did it is they did it over about a month um, okay. where they, you know, what, uh, do a piece, a chapter at a time. There, there are about 20-some chapters. So mm-hmm. a piece, I have actors who are... Oh, okay. Um, yeah, scenarios. I have practices. I have, oh, okay. It's very interactive in terms of oh. stuff you write down. You get a notebook and so on. It, that the course is a visual version of the book in many many ways. So between the course and the book, uh, you're going to get you're going to get a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And if you buy the it, book, you'll get a really good deal on the course. It sounds like it. So if you buy Lead Like It Matters because it does to our listeners and you take the NS course at Roxy's website, askroxy.com, uh, then you can you can get a significant discount and uh, you can self-pace yourself as you go through yeah. the uh, interactive course. Can you tell us the social networks that you are on? Where can people find you online? Um, Ask Coach Roxy is Twitter, I think. Yeah. And um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Facebook. So let you know, you have to name them all something. I'm Ask Roxy for Leaders um, uh, on LinkedIn and um, Facebook. Okay. Yeah. How, how now could I'm Ask Roxy Leadership on Facebook? Okay. And there's how a could, space in between Ask Space Roxy Space Leadership. How can groups or individuals contact you if they wanted you to speak at, at an event or they wanted you to provide some executive coaching or consulting work? 
On my website, AskRoxy.com, I also have another website, Highland Consulting Group, but that I'm really the the focus is on AskRoxy.com right now. If uh, if they want speakers, just go to the Contact Us um, tab, and um, there's a the, for media inquiries I have an email, and for speaking engagement inquiries I have an email. Um, the I'm going to have to change the the phone number because I just moved. But uh, it's right there, info at Highland Consulting Group. We want to uh, thank – Yeah. We, this this hour flew, and I mean it just blew by. There were so many more questions I wanted to ask Roxy, uh, and I'm sure our listeners, many more things they wanted to learn from her, tapping into her 35-plus years of business experience. And then also her novel, Cross of Ivy, which is slated to be out in June 2015, Pre-orders will be taken through Amazon.com. It's a very interesting novel. Her nonfiction book, Lead Like It Matters, because it does. You can go over to Ask Roxy A S K R O X I dot com. She has an interactive leadership training course that you can take. If you get the book, you get a significant discount on the self-paced interactive training course. We want to thank Roxy Bahar Hewitson for being here with us. Again, she is the uh, uh, CEO of Highland Consulting Group. She is the author of Lead Like It Matters Because It Does and her novel, Cross of Ivy, which again is due out. You can look for it June 2015. And I want to thank all of our listeners for being here with us. And as I always tell you, our guests share so much valuable advice and tips and insights, and it's all for free. So please tell your your neighbors, your family, your friends to tune in to Off the Shelf so they can uh, they can they can benefit from what the guests share. I want to wish everybody happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate, uh, Boxing Day in Canada. Just happy, happy holidays uh, to all of you, and I hope you enjoy spending time with your family and your friends. And you come back next Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City Time here at Off the Shelf. Tell your colleagues, your family, your friends, tune in to Off the Shelf Saturdays, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you again to Roxy. As I always tell you guys, you're awesome. You're amazing. You are incredible. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. Bye for now. Roxy, I'll shoot you an email. Thank you. Bye-bye.